0: Hey, everyone. This is Leaving Erinsborough, the Neighbours Rewatch podcast from the very beginning. I'm Sarah Gibbs. I'm an author, comedy writer and Neighbours obsessive, obviously. Um, Just a quick apology before we get going for the sound quality of this episode. It's not perfect. Um, It's still very listenable, but um, I'm aware of the sound issues and they will be better next episode. If you want to join in the chat, you can find us on Twitter at Leaving Errands, um, character limit and lack of imagination to blame for that one. Or you can find the Facebook group, um, which is a private group where you can express all of your neighbours' thoughts and feelings without anyone knowing about it, apart from other neighbours' fans. You can find it by searching for Leaving Erinsborough on Facebook. While we're on the subject of social media, our guest today, Simon Alcock, uh, gave his Twitter handle incorrectly at the end of this episode. It's actually Simon underscore Alcock, one L. Um, So, yeah, um, as much as he pretends he doesn't want you to follow him, he does. Um, So go and say hello and take him to task about his Helen Daniels opinions because they are controversial and you are going to want to. As always, a quick content and language warning. Um, This episode discusses themes that some listeners may find distressing and there's strong language throughout. Today's episode will be covering episodes 41 to 60. Um, So if you haven't seen them yet, uh, go back and give them a watch. And if you haven't listened to the rest of the podcast yet, start it from the beginning. It's worth it, um, I hope. All right, that's everything. If you like what you hear, uh, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. It all helps the podcast. today's guest is somebody that none of you will ever heard of unless you are comedy fans um, but he is an irrelevance to the neighbours community, an absolute nobody, no I'm joking, he is one of my best mates, he is my comedy script writing partner. He has written for shows like Tracy Breaks the News, Have I Got News for You, Funny Festival Live. He's written for Dead Ringers, News Quiz. He's written for comedians like Joe Brand, Jade Adams, Sandy Tuxwig, Al Murray, Rich Hall, Alex Edelman and Danny Dyer. Phew, what a CV. I don't know what he's doing working with me. This is Simon (laughs) Olcott.
1: I think it says quite a lot about our relationship that, that remains the nicest thing you've said about me, even with all the shade you're throwing at the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a joy. I'm really, I'm really selling myself as a, as a it great colleague. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I did begin this call by telling you that you'd woken me up from my nap to come on my podcast. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going well. Um, so Simon, Simon's neighbor's background is that he has... Have you ever seen Neighbors? I, 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 I just assume that you've never. Well, I seen have. Neighbours. I have
1: now. I've I've watched <laughs> five episodes. Um, before before this, my exposure to Neighbors was limited to the excellent theme tune. Um, I know some of the words to it.
0: Which one? The Barry Crocker one? The original? The been the quite. The, the, quite I really know true. the
1: word neighbors.
0: Yeah, yeah. They they all have the word neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the one, that's the thing they kept for some reason over the years, a so, weird editorial decision on their part. Um, so so yeah, complete Neighbours Virgin.
1: I don't know which theme tune I know. That's that good <laughs> thing.
0: Um, is it the one that was playing in the episodes you were watching? Yes, it is. Okay, so, so you, know, you know the classic, the Barry Cropper one. That's a good one. So before this, you were a total Neighbours Virgin. You'd never expe- experienced the heady, Highs and pleasures that as neighbours and I've given you a really weird start because <laughs> this is like this is not what I would be using to convert someone.
1: I still consider myself a neighbour's virgin. I mean, what what counts as losing your neighbour's virginity? What do you have to have seen? You know,
0: <laughs> um, I think five episodes. I think that's a you know that's a good spread, isn't it? That you're a, you're a man of the world. I now. say I'm
1: quite intimidated by. This whole enterprise that a show that's been running for like 37 years i i that scratching the surface is, is a massive exaggeration for what we're about to do here
0: <laughs> it's it's fine i mean it's it, we're only three months into the 37 years so um, you don't actually have to know that much you have,
1: um, you have a long road ahead um, oh, a, so another excited. reason i'm a, a, a bit worried about this uh is that i did notice that in the first episode of this podcast you said the word wowzers and i'm <laughs> i'm now worried that i'm gonna say something that's as difficult to come back from
0: <laughs> wowzer rooney <laughs> um <laughs> yeah
1: this podcast you're gonna be in real like ned flanders territory <laughs>
0: I, I'm just slowly losing my mind, basically. Um, at the just at the prospect, <laughs> yeah, the prospect of the rest of my life, and uh, yeah, some some people ruin their lives through like I don't know, they 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 make a life mistake they can't come back from, and I think this is mine. Um, so Simon, what what were your first impressions of 1985 Neighbours? I'm dying to know, as a television writer, especially.
1: Oh well i mean from a television point of view i thought it was really really promising i mean this is a (laughs) this is a show about like different houses you know i thought Mm -hmm. oh this is kind of this is going to be like game of thrones but with more violence and less level-headed characters and i was right (laughs) it is it's 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 unhinged at times um my my first impressions i mean if you want to get my my, my my very first impressions, I mean, I was struck by a few things even in the, even in the opening sequence, like the titles, which were very 1985, by the way. Um, I feel like I got a pretty good idea of what kind of street Ramsey Street is just from this opening sequence. I have to say, my first impression of it is that it's lawless. It looks like <laughs> whoever, whoever is parking that blue car... Is doing a terrible job. They're trying to pull in <laughs> the outside of a bend, meaning that the rear end of the car is like two meters away from the curb. If you if you did that in the UK, that's an on-the-spot fine, no questions asked.
0: Uh, um, Simon feels very strongly about um, about people following the rules. There's someone cycling on the pavement, which, <laughs> as
1: far as I'm aware, is not legal in the state of Victoria. I mean, this
0: this,
1: <laughs> this street just seems like a Fucking free-for-all, frankly. So, I mean, those are my first impressions. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of chaos.
0: We have our very own Max Ramsey here. Um, <laughs> oh, that, ooh, that's that, that's some shade.
1: I am dressed like him. I am wearing big blue. Floor, <laughs> as I always do to work.
0: So Max is, um, Max is on the side of law and order, and he gets very upset when people have fun or, or, or do anything resembling fun. Well, he's correct. Yeah. Um, but he is no longer living on the street because he is in this sad little divorced man apartment, and uh, and I love it for him. I never even
1: made the connection that that wouldn't be on the street. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> these little suburban houses, and then presumably some ugly block where he shares. Well, it's like a bedsit, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. That that can't be. That can't be in the same neighborhood. Of course it can't. That, that's already blown one bubble.
0: Yeah, he's been banished. Um, it's, it's a fate worse than death on Ramsey Street to the outside of Ramsey Street in the apartment of doom. Um, but uh, so the first episode, so, so we're going to cover the month, but um, I'm going to fill you in on what you missed. I've given you a spread of episodes that have sort oh, of like, cool. um, I, I think so, somewhat join up the the narrative like to, to a point um, but um, there's probably a lot of question marks so I'll, I'll get to that but we'll start you you watch the first episode back and I I don't know how much you've listened to but I ended the last episode of this podcast on quite a worrying note for, for poor Mrs Forbes <laughs> um, guest character Mrs Forbes who um, the danny oh, wow. and scott ran away to join on the farm it ended last episode with her leaving the room which you probably saw on the recap um mm-hmm. and saying a, a very solemn goodbye to danny and scott and then you hear a shotgun She leaves carrying a shotgun and the boys are like bye mrs ford <laughs> um and and then she the shotgun goes off in the next room and and then like, what happens next, Simon? You've seen it, and I'm, I'm very interested to see how you interpret it. Well, <laughs> Mrs. Stuff.
1: Forbes, can I just say first of all that Mrs. Forbes is a brilliant yeah. character, and I hoped would be representative of my whole neighbour's experience. And I'm, no, I'm pleased not. to say that <laughs> gone entirely. Um, she looks like a she looks like a character from Jumanji. She's like. <laughs> She looks like, she, she looks like Peter Capaldi. She looks like Peter Capaldi is <laughs> <as> in Jumanji. <sighs> what I, she's what, great. What I love about that whole scene is they think, like, they think that she's shot herself, right? And yeah. so they rush over to the door and they knock on it. <laughs> What's going yeah. to happen? Like, if she has shot herself, nobody's going to come and answer that door, are they? So
0: they're like, Mrs. Forbes? You know, she she could have got naked before she shot herself. They don't know. They're being
1: respectful. At the door with her fingernails, going <laughs> a horrible accident. Just... <laughs> I I yeah, that scene, that scene. As far as I remember it, she just she just comes back out and is fine. I think. Yeah. I don't remember why the gun went off. I always. just, I think was she feeding a chicken or is that in a later episode? So many.
0: No, she was. She was just like, oh, butterfinger. Oh, that's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> And she says, after all these years of pointing the gun at people randomly, who knew it went off so easily? Yes. And then in the next scene, she points the gun at Jim, who comes to... So, so right. so obviously, the, the boys phone home because they don't know what the fuck to do. They're scared little boys. Um, and pretend to be someone else. Jim, the dad, is like, oh, the effect, here you go, young sir. Talk to your brother. He's like, it's your brother. Pretend I don't know. Find out where he is, which is, I think, a really smart thing to do.
1: It's really smart. I, I really, I really like his style of parenting. I think mm. there's a lovely moment uh, later in this episode where, um, may, maybe I shouldn't say. Uh, we're we're going through the episode kind of in order, aren't we? So there,
0: there is a, there is a lovely moment. We'll get to it. So Jim shows up and for context Mrs Forbes has been told that the boys are brothers and that their dad is abusive so she's right. when Jim shows up she thinks Jim is like beating his kids and she's really protective of them because they you know they sort of looked after her so that's why she points the shotgun at him but probably not the best idea and also she she does seem to have like, like dementia or something so
1: that explains yeah. a lot actually because when <laughs> She, when, the far, when Jim shows up, uh, she seems a bit disappointed that he, that he hasn't committed any acts of domestic violence against his son, um, <laughs> because that would mean that they've lied to her. And it's like, yeah. I don't mind you beating your children, but lying, that is sick.
0: <laughs> That's the moral red line. Yeah. I draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> I draw the line at lying to me child abuse is fine Um, but yeah she so it's it's just a really 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 sad story um you know she helen who is um so so um helen is jim's mother-in-law and she lives with them because his wife died so like they're not they're, they're not blood related but they're sort of like a platonic marriage and helen is like she's she's like perfect um she's like the matriarch of the street she always knows the right thing to say and do and she's just like she, she's well. just like really wise
1: <laughs> we'll we'll come we'll come back to how appropriate her comments are uh,
0: I, can't, I i forget what, what did she do what did she oh, do i
1: don't remember anything in this particular but there's a, i think there's another episode in my little sample of episodes where like okay. has some interesting advice
0: all right all right we'll we'll get to that, but but she's really nice to Mrs. Forbes, and she sort of sits with her and hear's her life story, and you know they Jim and Helen start helping mrs. Forbes to you know to organize her life to move into a care home um and and jim and and Scott have a lovely moment which you mentioned
1: Jim and Scott, yeah, I mean they're um in the motel, aren't they but they're back at the motel where Jim's staying, and Jim apologizes to Scott for not believing him, and it's a yeah. really great example of a kind of wholesome kind of masculinity, um, which I think is, it's just occurred to me that you did that summary there of everything that happens. And in, in the time that it takes uh, Lucy and Mrs. Forbes uh, to look back on, is it Lucy? I've written down Lucy. Helen.
0: Helen is the grandma, Lucy is the small child. <laughs>
1: Lucy's not, <there>. <laughs> Helen. <In that> Helen. <laughs> it takes Helen and Mrs Forbes to look back on her old school photos, have a meeting with this old people's home recruiter, feed the chickens, pour over what looks like some financial paperwork. Jim has gone to take a tour of a fence, and that, <laughs> that takes all of about 30 seconds. And they and and the women have done all of this in that time. And I'm like, come on, boys. <laughs> yeah,
0: that sums up the, the Ramsey Street lads pretty much. I mean, the boys just have spent literally about three weeks digging a hole, um, yeah. just a small, I, small I get, ditch. I,
1: I get an impression of Jim, and this might be wrong, uh, as somebody who is pretty easily impressed because he goes on... <laughs> Mrs Forbes is like, why don't you go and show Jim the fence? Uh, he'll be impressed by that. And you know what he is—he well, he loves that fence. And
0: I think it's because Scott did the fence, and Scott is, you know, useless. So <laughs> he's like, "Wow, my son can do a thing just like this. Anything he's shown any talent, any aptitude for anything." So um, Scott, um, I don't know if you know, will come back um, when they rebrand the show as Jason Donovan, so they recast him. Oh, um, but. Yeah, right now he's this guy. Um, I think
1: of that. I did think in, in in none of these episodes that you gave me, there was no Kylie.
0: No. No, she's not there yet. Not
1: one Kylie. It was
0: a, it was a few months in. I'm not sure exactly how far in. It, someone said like around episode 160. They changed networks. They got cancelled and picked back up by a different network. And then it sort of became the neighbours that right. everyone knows and loves. But <laughs> right now it's a really weird show. Um, so, so then... That's the end of Missus Forbes' storyline. Basically, they the boys leave. They say a, a, a goodbye to her. They promise to write to her, which they won't because not hundred percent convinced either of them knows how to write. Um, but they don't, they don't take over the farm. No, they go. They no, they they. um She decides to go to the home. They say goodbye to her, she's like, Oh, go oh, you know, I'll be fine, off you go. And then they leave her and she stands alone in her kitchen and cries, and that's the last we ever see of her.
1: What a wasted opportunity to have a really wholesome rural story. Yeah.
0: And And they could have brought her home. They could have been like, don't go and live in her home, come and live with the Robinsons. She could have been a character. I was a bit
1: curious as to why they were so keen to take over the farm. Like, what why why are they why are they not keen to leave the old woman's remote cottage in the middle of nowhere? It's like it's like the opposite of a fairy tale.
0: Yeah, two reasons. One, Danny Danny specifically didn't want to leave because his dad is really emotionally abusive and like screams at him all the time. And um, not the one and that you compared it, it, to me. Yeah, yeah, he's yes, <laughs> um, but he they <laughs> no, just just for the just for the Laura abiding this. <laughs> Actually, I say that, but he did he did drink drive um but um but you know he's law abiding when it comes to everyone else um but danny doesn't want to go home to his abusive dad and also they don't they want mrs forbes to be able to stay in her home they've like grown fond of her and they want to look after her okay. um, and they don't want her to be taken away so it's, it's like noble um, they will reason. work for her
1: on the farm like yeah. little feudal lord
0: correct i mean you know she she really love that bashed their heads together like you know they they when they showed up they were useless and then they were like farmhands you know they've
1: done a fence and
0: yeah and a hole yeah (laughs) wow yeah (laughs) three weeks later they're just at the bottom of this massive hole like mrs forbes mrs forbes could we stop digging yet (laughs) um anyway we've just spent 20 minutes talking about mrs forbes and there's a whole other month to talk about um i just uh, just realized um so um so let's Let's go, sort of, um, family by family, and stop me when we sort of get to episodes or like storylines, bits that you've seen. Mm. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fill you in, and also if, if something sounds a bit batshit, and you have any questions, just like pop, pop your hand up or comments, or this is a this is an interactive forum. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, so the Ramsey, so Max um had his DUI. So that Nick guy who's hanging around the pilot guy he um he convinced Max to drink drive. I think he did it quite slyly because he likes Max's wife and wanted to make Max look like a c- But I can
1: believe that. Yeah. That guy pissed me off.
0: Did he? Yeah. Why? What 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 did what made him what disendeared him to you? That's not a word. Uh I think well he gives a, he gives this like lecture
1: doesn't he to um, is it Paul? He gives this yeah. Paul. Uh Paul's like he asked him whether he wants to go into the engineering business or have the world at his feet. And it's like, mm. that's not the choice. You can- <laughs> it's- 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 <laughs> like, you could you could make it in life or you could end up an engineer, total low life wastrel Like if any child tries hard in schools, they don't end up engineer scum. Um so I thought that yeah. was a bit but that was a bit judgmental um and mm-hmm. yeah i i i didn't like him i didn't like the way i didn't like the way he was inveigling his way into the whole household
0: yeah fair enough fair enough i mean i i'm such a max hater that i, I just quite enjoyed Mac, watching max get like usurped cuz he'd be so I awful about,
1: i don't know enough about max or what but i i just couldn't help myself warming to max quite a lot uh i obviously haven't seen anything yeah. that he's done uh
0: so yeah these episodes are like rehabilitating him in a really annoying way because i really hate him um but um but when we get to the end he sort of, like it's sort of they wipe out all the rehabilitation they've done in one sentence but i i i don't want to spoil that just yet
1: there's a scene where max is max it is his arm in a sling because yeah. of the accident right that makes a lot of sense now cuz there's a scene where he's shouting at a shoe uh, yeah. because he can't get his arm because his arms are swinging. Mm-hmm. And that for me was just a really relatable moment. Um, yeah. And in- I, before you talking about the car accident, I thought this injury uh, had obviously been sustained from a fight he'd had with another item of clothing, which had pissed him off. Like <laughs> maybe a scarf had really gotten his wick, or he thought he saw a hat look at him funny. Like a, <laughs> the guy is just so. Rage. He he looks to me like a really like a rage-filled Monty Don, like <laughs> which I actually think would bring a renewed vigor to Gardener's World if Monty Don could just up that intensity a bit.
0: <laughs> and swearing and, at the uh, shovel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking tulips. I, um, just, the, the intensity
1: he brings. I just I really related to it. Like I'm I'm quite a high stress person. And that scene where he's just giving that shoe what for, I was just like, yeah, I've been there.
0: I think if it was restricted to inanimate objects, I would be more forgiving I because I'm that. I'm like that. But uh, you know, like I I'm the person who stood up for Prince Charles and his pen. Like I was like, no, 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 that's legitimate. Like <laughs> that ink went everywhere. Like I'm I'm not a, I'm not like a big royalist, but that ink went everywhere, and he had every right to get pissed off about yeah. He's he wearing his nice suit. Anyway, <laughs> it, irrelevant, but Max has treated Danny. So I like, I wish I could just like maybe send you some sort of montage of Max screaming at Danny because it would feel like two hours and it's just awful. He is just, and he's, and he did it because he suspected that Danny wasn't his son. Right. And instead of ever raising it with his wife he just abused the kid because he was like, oh, it's not my kid. Um, and he's right, it's not his kid. But um, anyway, so he's, he's still injured from drink driving. Shane's trying to help him out at work. Shane, the good son that he likes, because yes. it's it's his seed. Um, and Max just keeps yelling at him until Shane rage quits. Um, so <laughs> classic Max. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Nick, in the meantime, is sniffing around Maria and he wants to take her out dancing. And there's a scene that I really loved. I don't know how you, what you thought, but, you know, Daphne is like, you know, she's like a sexy dancer, yeah. um, and um, she she comes in to Maria and says she can't get out of her costume. And I'm like, that's that's a costume for stripping. That has one job. <laughs> like, yeah. You you want to be able to get out of that?
1: You're right. She's also dressed as a ballet dancer for some reason. Um, what I really like about that scene, Daphne's Daphne's persuading Maria to go dancing with Nick, and he comes in mm-hmm. and she immediately puts on her coat to cover up, but leaves the front open. It's like (laughs) everyone knows the sexiest parts of a woman are the flanks. Get those those (laughs) covered up.
0: Uh, Maybe because her zip wasn't quite done up, or had Maria done the zip up? This is very important information. But Nick kind
1: of... The zip was open. she just, like, hugging it over herself eventually.
0: I see. But Nick starts sort of low-key hitting on Daphne, which is...
1: Yeah, not very low-key either.
0: No, no, I don't know why I said low-key. He's really lechy, and Daphne kind of... She knows a lecture when she sees one. And so, you know, it, it never turns into any kind of conflict because there's neighbours in 1985. And this is a recurring theme of this episode. I am going to tell you about so many storylines that go fucking nowhere that you're like, ooh, is this going to happen? And it's like, nope, nope, <laughs> nothing is going to happen. Absolutely nothing. They are going to plant a seed and then, and then pour acid on it. I don't understand. Um, but so they plant the seed of Nick hitting on Daphne. And I think, oh, is there going to be conflict is Daphne going to like him is it going to stir up trouble in the street is Maria going to get jealous and realize she does like Nick is is Maria going to have some sort of a fling with Nick no, no. um <laughs> so, it's, so Nick insinuates himself into the household like you said you know really makes himself at home um while Max is sitting around his little sad divorce man beds here eating his little sad divorce man noodles
1: uh, yes I mean you say that but there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with studio living
0: no you're right uh, there's no judgment from me whatsoever it's just it's just funny because um, the way
1: that maria reacts to being invited dancing is exactly how i imagine you would react if someone invited you dancing because she she decides <laughs> to stay in in case there is a phone call <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean uh, uh, for me it would just I, i'd be like i'm I'm really sorry i need to stay home and think about why the beatles at, but,
1: yeah at first i was like there's a real like Bond girl quality to her voice. Um, I hope this isn't like a sexist thing to say, just like she has a real like quality to her voice like that. Yeah,
0: she's got a sexy voice.
1: Like it's, She is how Bond girls would have been if you had written the script. She gets like, passed <laughs> out dancing by this rogue, exciting bachelor and she's like,
0: uh, uh, I, I have uh, to lie down and do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, absolutely correct decision. Although, you know, I feel like Maria should just, at this point, Max has treated her so badly and uh, and I know that this sounds controversial because he is not the father of Danny but but wait for it wait for it okay because I I don't feel too fucking sorry for him um I think she should go out and get hers and Daphne basically tells her to go out and get hers um but you know the nick around the household causes friction with Shane who is apparently the guardian of his mother's vagina (laughs) um
1: (laughs) is that a marvel film
0: yeah, it's uh, it's the one that I wrote, actually, uh, where they all stay home and think about their mother's vaginas. This is getting weird. Um, this is what happens when you know someone too well to so record something yeah. for public consumption and you're like, no, no, no. It's
1: the small talk.
0: Yes, guests, um, guests, <laughs> people watching, Um yeah. So, so um, Shane is a whiny little butthole about um, about Nick. Um, you know, he's 21 years old. He's so whiny. He's sulking. He's refusing to do his chores. Um, yeah, and and then he, at one point, he gets so mad. He tries to hit Nick. I don't think you saw this episode, but he attacks him by running at him with both arms over his head which I don't know what he's planning to do, like whack-a-mole. And Nick just catches his arms and, is like, and tells him to grow up. And I was like, you know, I sort of punched the air. Yeah, grow up, Shane, um, in general. <laughs> it wasn't his arms were above his head, like he was going to slam de- Like, you know, Shane, smash.
1: Yeah, I'm picturing yeah. it. I must make a note for my next fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, that uh, next, next time somebody parks incorrectly outside your house. Yeah, exactly. So Shane wants to move in with Max. I have no idea why anyone would want to move in with Max um, and be like he couldn't stand working with him for one day. And he wants to live with that. Um, just just despite his mum, And he just the whole month, he's a Max apologist, especially with Danny. Um, you know, Danny's like, oh, I'm not I'm not too bothered about him being gone because he was kind of a prick to me. And yeah. I'm all right, actually. <laughs> Danny's having a nice time, and 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 everyone's going. No, 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 your dad loves you. And Danny's like, "Well, does he? Like, he's not shown it in any way." And 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 Dad, like, I, you haven't seen this, but Danny is absolutely right. Max has not shown him a crumb of love in his entire life.
1: There is a weird, yeah. there is a weird line from Danny in one of the episodes that I did watch a bit later on when um, Shane, <laughs> Shane's going around the house trying to divvy up jobs now that. Now that Max isn't there to like make sure all the chores are covered. And and Danny Danny says, I can think of other blokes who'd give mum and us just as good a time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is. Do you you want to join in?
1: That is a strange thing to say.
0: A really weird (laughs) thing to say about your mother. These these boys and their mother's vagina. It's weird. Stop it. I don't like it. Um, this is getting this is getting really dark, but um, I, I didn't write it. So Danny immediately like is like Nick is my new daddy. This is it. Like um, this is what I've always wanted. He's nice to me. He takes me out flying. Nick takes me out for a nice day flying. Um, there's a lot lots of weird camera angles of them just having a really nice time and glancing at each other. And <laughs> at first, it really looks. And I, and I want you to bear this in mind. Like Nick is going to be revealed to be Danny's dad. Because that, narratively, that's what we would do, right?
1: You're right. Like, that's the guy who showed up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, OK. It's a soap. We're going, aha, this guy is secretly, no. No, he's not. He's not. Um, it just goes nowhere. Um, so Max and Danny are slowly thawing out their relationship as well in this time. Danny goes to visit Max and actually asks him outright if he's the reason his parents split up. And this is the first time that I've ever seen Max not shout at Danny, but he's just like, oh, you know what, people have their ups and downs and ins and outs, and who's to say who's split up and not split up in these crazy times. He just sort of skirts the the conversation, and Danny on his way out goes, no, this is the first decent talk we've ever had. Oh. (laughs) I know, know, it's, it's heartbreaking. Danny
1: really cuts to the quick, doesn't he? Gets straight to the heart of the matter. There's a, that, that, time when, uh, that time when Shane is going around the house trying to divvy up his dad's jobs, Danny does exactly the same thing again. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Shane turns off one lamp to cut down on electricity costs, mm-hmm. um, which Danny calls pathetic. And it's really unclear what Danny's taking aim at there, but I just love the confrontational energy of it.
0: Oh, yeah. Danny. Danny's a bit of a, like, he's, he's I think, supposed to be the bad boy, but he doesn't actually really do anything bad at any point. But that,
1: for <laughs> me, I mean, you asked me what my sort of first impressions of Neighbours were, and this, for me, is what Neighbours seems to do best, like, take a completely anodyne situation, like, trying to conserve electricity by turning off one lamp and just have <laughs> someone be fucking furious about it.
0: <laughs> I know. it's uh, That's what... I mean, I think you've got to the heart of, like... <laughs> That that carried through even until you know until it ended. It there was there were still like you know there were huge storylines with like terrorism and murder and and wow. like people getting shot with bows and arrows and all sorts. And then there were like you know petty conflicts over like the bins or where the dogs pooing or <laughs> you know things like that. Like it was really it, it, it re- retained its petty energy. Um throughout and and I think that's why people loved it so much because it was just like, um I can
1: see that it's such a it's just such a relatable engine for the show. And I think yeah. this is why this is why I will continue to watch handpicked episodes that you send me.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I'm <laughs> I'm honored to be trusted. So Max tells Maria, which I think is really rich, not to take things out on Shane, which like, I'm sorry he's just spent the last 16 years abusing Danny because of his own like feelings what is this is this this is this is all like i'm filling in the gaps of the month so like this is stuff that you that you haven't seen right. um so so cuz Shane and 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 Maria just are not getting on this month because of Nick and Maria is furious that Shane is being like rude to Nick and Shane is furious that his mother is doing things with her vagina that do not involve <laughs> his su- careful supervision
1: Not a vaginal permission slip <laughs> yeah um
0: and so max
1: very very intense ironing scene with maria and shane uh where cuz shane, shane um if you if you remember this is when this is when nick has invited maria to hawaii oh yeah and shane suggests instead that she goes on holiday to queensland with her angry ex and maria, <laughs> maria slaps him um, because Shane Shane tells him that Nick's busting a gut to, quote, get her between the sheets. Again, totes normal thing to say to your own mum. Yeah. And this scene, <laughs> this scene is the longest I have ever seen anybody hold a sandwich without taking a bite. <laughs> Shane, he's walking around with the sandwich, he's gesticulating with it, staring at it lovingly, and he only puts it down to go and be hit by his mum. And I thought that's like, that's minutes long, that scene. And not once. And that's even... when
0: you need the sandwich the most. <laughs> when you've just been hit. That's when you need your comfort <laughs> yeah. sandwich.
1: My kingdom for a sandwich.
0: See, it's these little things that I just do not notice. Um, like, I'm just like, oh my God, a classic soap slap. This is great. And you're like, sandwich watch this day one hundred
1: and seven. I love how intensely they were both into their own activities. Like Maria is ironing the fuck out of that, whatever it is, pant leg. Uh and Shane is fondling this sandwich.
0: Yeah, Maria um, is, she? I think the person playing her, bless her heart, has never done a chore. <laughs> Um, because like last uh, last month we had her cutting bread and she was holding the bread aloft, like, uh, and <laughs> and I don't even know how I she remember. was cutting it. She was holding it up with one hand, I'll try and find a clip for you, and, and slicing it with the other. And it looked like some sort of giant root vegetable at first, but then people pointed wow. out that it was bread.
1: She's treating it incredibly delicately, like sushi maybe.
0: Yeah, it looked like she was peeling it. It was so weird. <laughs> So, like, could you, like, like, we don't have time to reshoot this. We do not have it's budget for this. Girl, of it's... course
1: she doesn't cut bread.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Her fingers have never touched uh, uncut bread. <laughs> also, another thing that we missed that, um, is that Max gets angry with Maria because she doesn't take, she didn't take a message properly. She didn't, he's, she's taking his messages for work and she didn't take down a number, which again, oh, she... but...
1: this woman has never done a chore. Yeah, but also... I'm I'm sorry but that is that is completely relatable to me like yeah if somebody I, I can't imagine why this would happen now but if somebody left a message for me uh and I didn't get the like the message was was taken down wrongly somehow then that is exactly the kind of petty thing that would make me really kind of lose sight of myself.
0: It feels like almost deliberate incompetence. Like who doesn't take down a number? That's like, you that's know, oh, what's your name? Okay, that's all I need to know. Thank you. She said I took an address. What's he just going to show up at this person's house? <laughs> oh, like, did you phone good. me? Yeah. <laughs> She's neighbours, so probably. Um, but yeah, so so that was another thing that I that I noted as as funny. Um, Helen comforts Maria in quite a funny way. Just throughout the month, she's just sort of hanging around, comforting Maria in quite, I think, quite an insensitive way. But yeah. actually, um, she she says to she says, "Oh, you know, she felt the same after Bill died." And I've got in my notes, "Who the fuck is Bill?" This is the first <laughs> I've ever heard of a Bill.
1: Um, pops <laughs> over to tea. And and effectively tells her to chin up and get a hobby. It's not yeah. She's not exactly a shoulder to cry on from what I've seen.
0: No, I mean this is this is a blip for Helen. She I think I think we're meant to think, oh tough love, like but you know, right. generally she like bashes heads together and sorts people out and she's the person who cuts through everything and knows what needs to be done and knows what people need. But you yeah. know, I think I mean it does work. She gets Maria out of the house and stuff a bit later. It does sort of work. Um like stops her wallowing but it is a bit like smile love it might never happen yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, it, it did happen Her husband's left her and now she doesn't have any money like do you have any idea how expensive it is to split up she tells but, her
1: to come and help out at the community justice center which
0: first i've heard of that too by the way yeah
1: which to me sounded a lot like, like a maverick band of vigilantes who roam the streets dishing out summary ass kickings, but it turned out not to be that. It turned out instead to be a, a little office that handles disputes between neighbors. And, you know, given that this show has run for 37 years, it's clear they're doing a terrible job
0: Awful. And then, and they never come back. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. But this is this is the first, literally the first I've ever heard of this community <laughs> justice centre. I've only ever seen Helen sitting around the house and never seen her do anything. Um, this is the first time I've seen her leave the house for any reason. Nick comes to mow Maria's lawn, literally cutting Max's grass, I have in my notes. <laughs> um, Shane asks Maria the obvious question that we're all thinking. Um did you sleep with Nick? And we're thinking, obviously, because Shane doesn't know about Danny yet, is he Danny's dad? And Marie's like, no, of course not. He wanted to, but I love Max. I was like, really? Really? Like, you, you had these two options. I'm not saying Nick is, you know, but like, you got Max and you've got Nick. And she's like, oh, Max. Max does it for me. A lot of drama
1: happens over these lawnmowers. Like, there's another episode where Jim comes over to help Shane fix a lawnmower, And accidentally let slip that Max isn't Danny's real father. Like, these people need to pay more attention to the mowing and less less of that, less of the chat.
0: Well, you know, Jim's an engineer, so he doesn't need to think why. It's it's sort of like second nature to him to fix a lawnmower, so, you know, he's got to ruin a few I've
1: been very wary about even using a lawnmower on Ramsey Street. (laughs) It seems like some bombshell's
0: dropped every time someone wheels it out. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? Um, Maria says she still loves Max and wants him back. I have no idea why. Uh, Max goes to court. He loses his license. He's fined a thousand dollars. Shane blames Nick, which you know, fair enough. But also Max is an adult with agency. Um, Max empties a teapot out the window. Um, I, I don't. I don't. You probably didn't see this episode, but it was very confusing.
1: I mean, I I didn't see that one, but I'm thinking. That's probably a good reason for it.
0: Probably. I, I think, again, the man has never done chores. <laughs> um, they have a little joke about about his drink driving, him and Shane, Teehee. Um, no consequences for that, really, um, apart from losing his licence. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll be driving it again in a week.
1: Licence, schmice.
0: Um, Shane takes messages from Max and somehow manages to be even worse than Maria. He's actively hostile and yells at the customer and tells them he doesn't need their business. Um, uh, and so Shane sort of demands to know why his parents split up um, and they don't know what to tell him. Um, so Max asks Maria to dinner and she sort of gets her hopes up thinking he wants to resolve things, but he just wants to think of a plausible lie to tell the boys. So they come home together and they're like, we're just not in love anymore, which is what they told them in the first place, I think.
1: Uh, So presumably the truth.
0: um, I think we're meant to believe that they still love each other and want each other. It's just really hard to believe that at this point. Like the show wants us to think that there's a lot of like pining, but it's hard to tell. Like, you know, there's not they're not very clear. On what characters are feeling. Like, they don't signpost (laughs) things very well. Um, But.
1: Detail. Characters feel and believe.
0: But I do, I think, I think we are supposed to think that they they want each other back. Um, So there's also all this batshit stuff going on at Max's uh, bed sit. Like, there's this lady who thinks that he's stealing her knickers.
1: This is a scene we have to discuss. Okay. (laughs) Because this again like you and you'll be able to tell me it is is this is this a character who comes back because i hope so because
0: yeah right. she's recurring throughout this month okay. she just okay. she, she keeps she keeps coming back and accusing him of different things she she this
1: woman judging from her accent is a relative of groundskeeper willie i think <laughs> but also somehow at the same time irish and romanian like
0: the wind changed on Talk Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> exactly.
1: So, and she comes in and seems to sort of threaten to shank him with a knitting needle for mm-hmm. filching her pants off the washing line. And she calls him this, she calls him a shifty devil. Uh, which I love. <laughs> um, also accuses him of nicking her milk delivery. Though I'd argue that if you're going to have a personal milk delivery to a communal boarding house, you are setting yourself up for issues. And that, and that is when Edith comes in. Edith, mm-hmm. the, I forgot, Mrs. What's her surname? Is it Harris? Edith, that's it. Edith comes in just as she's accusing Max of being a pervert and Edith is absolutely loving this. She knows mm-hmm. she's the one who actually took her knickers because she claims it looked like it was about to rain, so she brought them in off the line. Sure, Edith. But yeah, exactly. Do we believe her? If that two-tone flowery blouse with matching chest front and cuffs is anything to go by he's up for anything
0: (laughs) 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 meow
1: edith edith so far along with mrs forbes uh ranks up there with my favorite characters
0: yeah, she's a she's a force of nature. I don't know, um, I don't remember which episodes I gave you to watch, so I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw when she just lets herself into his flat and cooks some dinner. Yes,
1: she breaks in and makes duck orange, um, lorange, <laughs> which I think is, again, it's just so representative of her character. That is a classic Edith thing to do. Um, she's yeah. also very clearly taking some kind of amphetamine. Um, she's always, she's always pitch, she's always pitched right up there. Oh yeah, she's on.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and, and that will come back later. That that actually, I think you might be right. I, I'm going to tell you now about a side quest, okay? So there. Are, th- this is what I'm calling the completely irrelevant B storylines that come and go in a, a matter of two episodes each and have no bearing on the overall pl- plot. So side quest number one is there's a storyline where Max befriends a dad who's kidnapped his own baby and run off on his wife and it seems like it's going to be a really dark storyline, right? Like, because, you know, kidnap is generally, I call me old fashioned, bad. Um, and, like, that's quite an abusive, scary thing to do to your wife and child mm-hmm. is, like, just run off with a baby and not tell her. I agree. Um, but um, Max sort of befriends him and is like, you should probably call your wife and make it up. And it becomes this, like, sort of little rom com thing where Max and Edith get him and his wife back together. I love that the
1: storyline. Yeah is actually in some of the episodes that you gave me to watch.
0: Uh. yeah. And the, so they, they they offer to babysit the baby while this guy's meeting up with his wife. And Edith is watching the baby and she comes running in with a baby screaming and like, he's taken my pills, she's taking my pills <laughs> uh, and um, and they rush the baby to hospital and the and it's presented like sort of like a comedy like um the the nurse is like oh she is fine you acted quickly i think it's so we can see max save a baby to sort of redeem him right right? but there's no reason for it to be in here and then they bring the baby back and they're like oh we just went for a stroll around the block and they don't tell the parents and they hand (laughs) this baby back that's presumably just had its stomach pumped and probably needs monitoring without giving them any information and they hand it back to the dangerous kidnapper and his wife, who is clearly only getting back together with him because she's desperate to see her baby. I
1: love the line when they come back, and Max Max says that they've just been for a walk, and then says, "Quote, you weren't worried, were you?" And, <laughs> and the dad, the dad slash kidnapper, is like, "No harm done." And Edith looks very coy, you know, as if to mm. say, "Actually, a lot of harm has been done." Um, and I think you're right. I think this part of it is is to try and make Max seem a bit more sympathetic. Like she tells, he, sorry, tells Edith not to blame herself, but like, sorry, this is absolutely, this is one of those situations that is absolutely Edith's fault. She's accidentally drugged the child that she was put in charge of looking after.
0: Yeah, and how? It's an infant. It's not, like, crawling around.
1: I know. It's, it's just Edith, isn't it? She, she yeah. sows chaos wherever she goes. And part of me is beginning to wonder whether it's deliberate. Is she one of these people who just wants to watch the world burn? And she's going around, Ooh. like, offering to babysit and then drugging children. She's breaking into people's houses. Like, she's got she's got a particular kind of energy about her.
0: Yeah. Getting ever closer to the poisoned duck, Laurent. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I hope so. I don't know where this Edith thing is going. I think that they're going to bone. Um, that's the vibe I'm getting.
1: You're right. There is a lot of that kind of energy as well. There's a yeah. the bit when um, I think it's in the next episode when when she does when she makes the when she makes the duck, Laurent, and you know Max is Max is initially kind of a bit put out by it. But then she says, mm-hmm. she starts going into all this, like, oh, it's my birthday. Um, which is dark, I think, in a way. Like, mm-hmm. break into someone's house and then guilt them into, <laughs> guilt them into eating a duck with you.
0: But... Simon, I don't think it's her birthday. <laughs> I don't think it's her I don't think it's really her birthday. I think that's just what she says when she breaks into men's flats. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 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 the, the, the whole the whole energy in the room just
1: changes. It becomes incredibly sexually charged and does mm-hmm. feel to me a little bit transactional and grubby.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it's odd, and they're mistaken for husband and wife at the hospital as yeah, well. The um, role that
1: she really leans into, by the way.
0: She does. She she does, and you know he's got more chemistry in a couple of episodes with her than he had had in like months with Maria. This the
1: dinner as well. They have the, the setup in Max's bedsit. Now, I'm sure it's just, I'm sure it's the best they could rustle up. But on the, on the table, they have a cantaloupe as the centerpiece. They have a little melon in the middle of the dining table. Um, and they have this romantic dinner. And Edith says that she wishes she could have had children, then immediately offers Max some baked lemon cheesecake, which may or may not be euphemistic at this stage, all bets are off. To which Max responds, (laughs) baked lemon cheesecake, ooh.
0: (laughs) That was the most disturbing impression. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, it's I'm so upset right now.
1: (laughs) Who's creepier?
0: Like they're kind of made for one another. I know, it's perfect. I'm shipping it. I will get to more pointless side quests um, when we talk about the Robinsons. Nick basically goes to see Max and is like, hey, have you and Maria definitely broken up? And Max is like, yeah, why? And Nick's like, no reason, bye. (laughs) Um, And then he goes and makes his move on Maria. He invites her on a totally platonic holiday to Hawaii. Um, She thinks about it and Shane blows his lid. This is the argument we discussed because he did not authorize his mother or her vagina to go on holiday. Fair play. Yeah. Um, Then Jim comes over to help Shane fix a lawnmower, as he said, and somehow manages to blurt out that Danny isn't Max's son. Now, Helen has known about this for 16 years. Mm. 16 years Helen sat on this secret. Jim has known for like a week. (laughs) (laughs) And he he manages to tell Shane, like the one person that he mustn't tell. Doesn't even- The most
1: relatable thing he's done probably so far.
0: The look on his face is amazing when he does it. <laughs> that it's very,
1: it's very sort of operatic. The mm-hmm. the end of that scene. Like the 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 music, this foreboding music kicks in just as it's about mm-hmm. to happen, which like I'm not ashamed to say genuinely made me feel something. Like I was very tense at that point. And I I I mean I have to say I didn't expect him to say. That you know so casually that Max isn't daddy's real father as if that would ever naturally come up in a conversation but you know um, yeah it was very I thought it was a very well constructed bit of TV that
0: you'd test the waters and make sure you were talking about the same thing right
1: surely these people are distracted by their tools.
0: Yeah, that's it. the lawnmower of doom. I, I'm going to keep. I'm going to have start a lawnmower watch now. See if it comes back as a recurring character, like uh, Mrs. Harris. Every, t- um, every
1: time something darkly significant's about to happen, they'll be like, "Now oh, that grass is looking a bit long."
0: Yeah, it's like the yellow beanbag yes. on um, on Love Island. <laughs> um, so Shane um, does the grown up thing and storms off to go camping like a big angry boy. Um, Danny blames himself for Shane leaving because poor Danny blames himself for everything and he really needs therapy and I'm sad. Um, Shane doesn't want his parents to know that he knows um, so it, it's starting to get a bit like Chandler and Monica hooking up they don't know that we know mm-hmm. that they know So it, it, it gets a bit annoying so he doesn't say why he's leaving but he has this big emotional chat with Max and it's like hey dad thanks for everything over the years, so, sorry you got what is the term cuckolded?
1: He has a lot Is of
0: the um, Yeah, so I, I I don't know. I don't know the 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 formal terminology for what happened to Max, but uh, anyway, um, Nick also blames himself for Shane leaving and decides to leave town. And that's it. Conflict over. No affair. Nothing. Just gone. Yeah, right. that's, um, it. yeah that's it. Bye, Nick. Um, he goes oh, to see Max. Nick and... could
1: have rebounded on Edith. Edith would Edith would definitely have gone for
0: Nick. She would be into that. Um, but, you know, Nick, Nick um, goes to see Max and he's like, hey, I'm in love with your wife. And Max is like, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you see, now, I wouldn't have been surprised if at this moment Max was just super calm about it
0: all. Um, yep, correct. Right. You see, I he, feel like... He yells for half a <laughs> second. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's mad for like half a second. And then he's like, oh, all right, he, he didn't do anything, I guess. Um... And then Nick's like, why did you break up? Um, and, he, and he he gets it out of him that Danny isn't Max's son. And Nick's like, oh, get over it. <laughs> like, do you want to be with her or not? Like, come on, man. And he's like, yeah, but it's complicated. He's like, no, just, you know, go home. Um, so Nick leaves, gone. The whole thing comes to nothing. Absolutely pointless interlude. Is that the scene where Nick
1: is basically saying to Max... That his living situation is is really poor and it's not worth it, and like on on that basis, he should get back together with Maria.
0: I mean that's pragmatic, isn't it? That's why a lot of people stay in relationships. They're like, I I, I like it in this comfortable yeah. environment. You know, so it's it's realistic at least. Um, you know, he wa- he was, he wanted to live vicariously through Max's wrath. This wasn't Just... in keeping with his
1: like. Until now, he's been. See, Nick seems to have been cast as a bit of a romantic with a capital R, like he brings he brings Maria flowers and he's trying to whisk her away and stuff and then he says to Max, like uh, your apartment's a bit of a shithole like, uh, probably get back together with Maria right. Maybe it's like reverse psychology I mean, maybe I, I know too little about this to to go to that level but I'm willing to believe it, because like I said I don't like the guy
0: no it feels machiavellian to me basically there's a lot of like um max pining after maria and danny and max quietly bonding um and but you know he's max won't like he won't give maria any time of day after a few episodes of absolutely no on-screen agonizing about this whatsoever um jim tells max he spills the beans to shane and he's like you know i felt really bad about this it's like have you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you've mentioned it once since to helen um uh, max is really unbothered by this he's like oh well dad you know i i need to so- sort that with- i need to sort this out with shane but danny is maria's problem he says wow um after they bonded and had nice times together the next day the two-faced bastard comes over again to bond with danny and uh and surreptitiously find out where shane's gone so like you know for all the Danny is Maria's probleming of it all. Anyway, like, Shane's gone camping. I
1: should say, having so far been a, a max stan.
0: No, no, he's awful. Shane, Shane's gone camping, and he goes swimming in his teeny tiny speedos, and he seems to meet a couple of women who they feel a lot like honey traps from the Manson family. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, we're just two two best gal pals on the road together, and they, they sort of get him to do their... Grocery shopping, and then they make him lunch, and then they invite him to travel with them, and it feels like he's going to get abducted and murdered, which is very exciting. But then, so Max shows up and kind of cop blocks him, um, and it's like, oh, were you sorry? I'm interrupting. And Shane's like, yes, for fuck's sake. Um, and they go off and have a talk, and Max is like, look, I know that you know about Danny, and I just wanted, I didn't want you to blame your mum, so I wanted to come and tell you what really happened. And he's like, what really happened is that your mum and I had this anniversary dinner and she bought a dress and I felt it was too sexy and I got angry with her for wearing the sexy dress and I was always insecure because I thought she married me out of gratitude I didn't like her wearing a sexy dress and we had a fight and I went out drinking and she stayed home and then I stayed out all night and got drunk and she left and she came back pregnant basically um, and that's, that's the version he tells Shane
1: oh hmm Right, I see.
0: Mm-hmm. Kind of burying the lead there, Max. <laughs> yeah, so you know what happens next because you've seen it. So you can do the odd I do.
1: Well, I know we get we get Maria's side of the story, right? So Correct. Maria tells the story of how after finding Max with another woman, she dropped the kids off with Helen Daniels and went to the Australian Faulty Towers which is this little <laughs> guest house in the country run by Mrs. Lee. Um, it's, got, it's got a very Faulty Towers energy to it, like flashback to, the, to this dining room where, like, everyone smiles when you walk in. Um, you get the impression a lot of regulars are there. Um, and a guy called Tim Duncan arrives and declares that someone in this room is sitting at my table. <laughs> being a very camp... Agatha Christie energy to his entrance um, before <laughs> proceeding to sit down at Maria's table with her. Like, this is that this is not like n- nobody scrutinizes this. Nobody's like, sorry, mate, can you can you fuck off because I'm trying to have my dinner? Anyway, she says that he was the happiest man she'd ever met. And the next morning, the next morning she goes for a walk. Seemingly dressed as one of the cultists from Midsummer, um, in, fairness, <laughs> in fairness to her, it is really difficult to know what to pack when you're going away. You know, do you take your pagan ritual dress? Do you not take it? You just know that if you don't, you'll end up going to a commune on day one and have nothing to wear. Um, he, you know, uh, Tim Duncan then jumps out of a tree pretending to be Robin Hood. Um, they obviously hadn't. Yeah agreed the exact cosplay they were going for in advance. Uh and there's a lesson there, isn't there? Because unless you want to end up with this like comic con of a romantic moment, you've got to you've got to agree what, what the point of reference is going to be. Anyway, what are the rules? It's all yeah. very flirty. Um and Maria she wraps up her story by telling Shane, her son, that he made her feel like a warm, passionate woman. Um and he mm-hmm. smiles benignly at her. What the fuck kind of reaction is that for a son? Like I'm,
0: and and for a guardian of a vagina, that is he's not doing his job very well.
1: I'm so glad that he made you feel like a warm, passionate woman, mum. Um, and then Maria <laughs> yeah. and Max didn't talk about it for sixteen years. Shane, Shane, the thing. So the thing I like about this, Shane tells her that it's not fair on Danny, who has been what he calls the whipping boy for them both for all of those years. Maria says. She still doesn't want Danny to know. And Shane says it wouldn't be right for Danny to go through life not knowing the truth, but then agrees to join in the lie.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then I will tell him one day when, when he's really, truly fucked up by it. Like, at, at what point are he going to drop this bomb in his life on his wedding day? Like... I just
1: want to wait until he gets the point of no return, then detonate it.
0: Yep. Um so so we've just spent 2 months feeling sorry for Max because he got cheated on and Danny isn't his son and he was the cheat. He was it was him. He did it first. She was she was retaliating. She was they were broken up. Yeah. She had every right. He can get it in the sea. I hate Max. My hatred for Max stands. I will not I will not fall for this cynical attempt to rehabilitate him. Absolutely not. This is a Max rezone. Um, I, I'm willing to take up arms against Max. I feel very strongly. I
1: feel like this has been a real blot against his name uh, for mm. me because <laughs> before this, I did, I saw a lot of myself in him. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the fury with inanimate objects, the the kind of, there was a, there was a scene much earlier when he, he's shane is helping him mend a sink i think and he's just absolutely furious with shane uh, because he can't mm-hmm. mend this sink and he and he makes a comment about how why why can't someone who's really good at diving mend a sink as if there's some like transferable skill there <laughs> that collapse of any kind of logic when you're just really het up like th- these are these are all things that i really relate to but this this behaviour that we've, that we've just uncovered here mm. is, that's beyond the pale. And I have to say, uh, he's gone down to like a seven.
0: Yep. And Maria basically goes all... Never, ever, ever back to and I, I agree with her. Good, good on Maria. Yeah, good on Maria. That's the Ramseys. There is a side quest, um, the storyline that you watched, I think. There's a sort of a weird get Maria out of the house uh, storyline where Helen calls from the Citizens Justice League or whatever, and um, she wants her to translate for a Czech couple who are in conflict with their neighbours. Maria meets them for five seconds, and it's just really racist towards (laughs)
1: them. It's very bad. (laughs) They're like, there's a whole whole scene that takes place in Czech, you know, minutes long i think and then yes. at the end and there are no subtitles there's no translation or anything and then at the end maria just says the word murder <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think that's a Czech word we don't know her but the um,
1: solution to their neighborly dispute by the way is to deport them that's what she comes yeah up with.
0: yeah she said that they hate australia and she'd put them on the next plane herself so uh she's the good immigrant and yeah, it's really.
1: She's a real like bring up the drawbridge once I'm in kind of immigrant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you'd think this might be the start of a storyline, but no, the whole thing is a misunderstanding. The conflict is because the wife accidentally somehow hosed the inside of the neighbor's car. I don't know how that. How you would? I don't. I, I, I don't. I have so many questions <laughs> and I don't have time. Um, and the husband went over to apologize, um, but um, the neighbors thought that. Um, I apologise and check and him waving his arms around an apology, apparently, a, a check gesture of apology. I don't know. Um they they thought he was swearing at them. Maybe
1: that's what Shane was doing when he was charging towards them with his fists raised on his head. Yeah.
0: Apologize. <laughs> um, it's all been a big misunderstanding. The end, we never hear of it again, side quest. On the Robinsons, because I realise that we've got, we've got about like half an hour left and um, two two more families to talk about. Um, I, I'm very good at pacing these. Um, so Nick wants to leave uni and be a flight attendant because Nick has sold him this dream. Um, and there's sort of lots of backing and forthing about whether he's going to finish his degree. Um, Daphne says he should. And Paul says he could be dead in two years. And he does live on Ramsey Street, so that is true. Um and so after the weeks of Nick trying to manipulate Paul into leaving uni and becoming a steward, he's, um, it works. And Nick is like, I didn't say that, whoa, are you sure? Um, just like um, takes zero responsibility. Um, but the seed of like sort of selfish capitalism has been planted in Paul. So Paul is a character who later will be- go on to become like one of the show's biggest villains, really? by the way. Yeah. Like and and he's he's on the show for decades. I mean that kind of makes he's
1: he's he's very biddable. Like he mm-hmm. seems to just blow with the wind a bit. you like, yeah, Nick comes in he's like wanna wanna be a flight attendant. And he's like, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> he's less he's less malleable later in life but he's really a, a, a like he's a sort of a complex baddie I, I sort of like
1: all, my point is simply that i think he's sort of impressionable like i can see him getting taken by the dark side like
0: oh yeah oh yeah he goes full dark side he 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 murders a guy he burns down a pub um he, he does a lot of terrible things. that
1: is not good conduct for a flight attendant
0: yeah so Jim is, is is furious with Paul for quitting uni and angry with Nick for encouraging him and Nick and Jim have it out and they have an argument where Nick tells Jim there's life outside of Ramsey Street and Nick responds, "How dare you <laughs> which is like every neighbor's fan ever <laughs> uh, um, and then they Nick sort of uh, Jim sort of as a parent Nick you know, when someone goes, well, I'm a parent. You don't understand because you're not a parent, which I think is shitty. Um, and also he, Jim's so angry. He's not even going to do nepotism for Paul anymore. Oh. Um, so, you know, um, and anyway, they make up um, because there can't be any conflict in the show. And Jim feels sorry for Nick because he's childless um, and wifeless. And, and that's apparently the worst fate that can befall anyone. Um <laughs> Jim worries that Paul will end up like Nick, um, but he won't. He'll end up a murderer. So um, yeah, much better. Forth
1: with the whole with the whole airline business, though, in, even in the episodes that I've seen, like Paul, he seems to he seems to resolve that actually is going to finish his degree, which makes Jim really pleased um, that mm-hmm. he's going to he's going to carry on and, and try and finish it while going through the cabin crew interview process, which. <laughs> seems to take months. Um, and then Paul immediately gets this call from the airline asking him to come in because they suddenly need loads more stuff. I actually notice yeah. because they've decided to expand all of their routes. <laughs> the,
0: the, yeah, without thinking way, about it. The way it
1: always happens in business, the way it always happens in aviation, like you're in a board meeting, you suddenly realize you don't fly anywhere and you need to get staff in by this morning. And that's when he gets this call. <laughs> um, it's all very realistic at this point.
0: Yeah. um, So, you know, he got the interview by just showing up at the office and demanding an interview. And it's like, that's the kind of behavior, stable behavior you want in somebody who's responsible for people in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) this seems this seems good you've got the job son I like your moxie um there's a whole storyline where Lucy sees a dog get hit by a car and she saves the dog and she guilt trips Jim into paying for the dog's vet bills and then Max recognizes the dog and they take the dog back to the old man it belongs to and Lucy's sad and then Lucy wants a dog so Jim gets her a dog and now there's a dog
1: um, and there's a whole episode
0: where she chooses the dog, which, again, don't take a child to a kill shelter to choose just one jo- one dog. What are you doing?
1: You can choose one to keep and one to destroy.
0: And, and again, nothing comes of this. No conflict. No, there's not even any, like, teething problems with the new puppy. There's, it's not even taking over their lives, which I know you know is unrealistic.
1: <laughs> You're right. I am under the thumb of a puppy at the moment.
0: Lucy gets a dog, um, and also we get to see Julie being terrible because um, Julie doesn't want to take the old dog home, the the elderly dog that they rescued. She's like, she's all for a dog, and then she meets it, and she's like, I'm not touching that. That's disgusting. It's like, well, okay. Um, Julie. Anyway, Julie's terrible. Um, she's. They're also trying to rehabilitate her in these episodes, and I'm not thrilled about it.
1: it be rehabilitation for you, isn't it? Because. This no. is how ha- this is how everyone started out with these characters. <laughs> it's not like you know, immediately form a negative view of them and then go back to the beginning.
0: Yeah, I've got no forgiveness. Uh, like uh, you know, I don't want to forgive these characters. I'm too like they they've they've gone too far. Um, there's a there's a cu- cute moment where Danny um, finds out about Paul's job. You know, he's he's just his little brother's mate, and he calls him a glorified waiter. Like, Danny is so salty. That's sassy. Yeah, he is sassy. We end the month with the Robinsons. With Scott, he's playing football with a friend, and Kim shows up. Kim, his ex girlfriend. Uh, yes. So you saw this episode, or you saw you saw some of these episodes? I think so. You saw the one where she shows up, and then you saw a later one. Yeah,
1: I no, I saw, I saw the one where she, yeah, just the one where she shows up. I think.
0: Right. So she shows up, and she's pregnant. And she needs money. And that's the only time she ever gets in touch with Scott when she needs money. Now, what you need to know about Kim is years later on the show, so Kim is 15, right? And she's run away from home. And the only contact she's had with Paul is that Paul is Scott's older brother. And what you've seen, like he tried to get her to come home when she ran away because he wanted his brother. And also what you saw later. Uh, Did you see when he goes to her bed sit? I don't know.
1: I saw when he... He goes to, like, intimidate the baby's father into not pressuring her into selling the child.
0: Correct. So here's what you need to know. So Kim will come back in, like, 35 years. Wow. Um, or something, 30-something years, um, with <laughs> twins who are Pauls. Oh. Now, there's been no insinuation of any sexual contact between Kim, Kim and Paul. Paul is like 21, 22, because he's finishing his degree. Yeah. Kim is a school child. And there is nothing from these episodes. It's, a, it's the worst retcon ever because it makes Paul a rapist. Like it makes him like a statutory rapist, right?
1: Yeah, this is very. Uh... It's, it's surprising as well because the way. The way Paul handles the situation with the with the baby's father, he like he's sort of squaring up to him Mm. making this surprisingly legalistic threat. He's like talking about (laughs) the charge of carnal knowledge and how they've got two witnesses and he'll probably end up with a custodial sentence. And it's like, what whatever happened to threatening to hit someone? (laughs) Like, but he's he's aware of the law, is what I'm saying. So it's not like
0: He knows his rights. Yeah. His grandmother works at the Citizens Justice
1: <laughs> Exactly. He he would know that it is more than just frowned upon,
0: yeah, right. Um, and also, it, makes, it puts a whole new slant on his white knighting, doesn't it? If ooh, and yeah. and and asking if she's pregnant, it makes it all really sinister. Um, because he asks Scott if, if Kim's pregnant, he figures it out, um, and he asks if it's Scott's as well, he assumes it's Scott's. But then, for that
1: to, like, for that to make sense at, at this point, presumably he, like, if if that if that holds true at this point, he would already have fathered the children. Yeah. Right. Then. In order for him to be like making such a making such a fuss over it and and being very being very uh, solicitous about her well being and that sort of thing, like, if if his motivation is that she's pregnant with his twins,
0: yep. So years later, he meets the twins, they bond. Okay, well, let's accept that premise, okay? Let's accept that he fathered these mm. twins. And they become part of his family. And then one of the twins, he's 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 gay and he's in he's married to a guy called Aaron. And they have um they decide to have a turkey-based baby with their friend Nicolette. And Nicolette is like quite troubled, and there's this whole thing. Nicolette runs off with the baby, okay? And Paul goes to meet her and buys the baby off her for $1,000,000. a million so dollars. So it sort of comes full circle with the baby sale. Wow,
1: I mean that's that's clever, if if a little gross,
0: <laughs> right? Um, and then, but then it turns out Nicolette um, had swapped the baby with a different baby that the other twin had fathered at the same time that nobody knew about. Now that's good. <laughs> And she'd given him the wrong baby. Uh, but so he bought the wrong baby, but it was still his grandchild. So he still paid a million dollars for Kim Tanaka's, like, like, progeny, I guess, for, for her right. descendants. Um, and she's not Kim Tanaka here. She's Kim Taylor. She comes back as Kim Tanaka. Anyway, um, so so that's context. But basically, Kim considered selling her baby and then... When one of her friends, who is also pregnant, sells her baby and is sad about it, she changes her mind and she wants to <laughs> keep her baby. Seems
1: shocked that this woman is sad about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's so, like, yeah, well, but you—you you said you wanted the body. Like, what, what's wrong with you? Uh, cheer up, love. Get Helen Daniels round to comfort her. That'll, get a hobby. Yeah, exactly. Come to the come come translate at the Citizens Justice Centre. Yeah,
1: all right. Come on, we can do some racism with you.
0: <sighs> Okay, well we're on the home stretch now. Des and Daphne. So Des is officially rejected from the Canberra job that he wanted. Um, and that's um, the reason cited is that he lives with a woman of ill repute, so, um, so like they don't give him the job because they don't trust his judgment. Um, and Daphne is like sad and guilty about that. Um, Des confronts his boss, um, and he says it's because he's fucking up. Um, But what's actually happening is that Dez is being set up by the boss's incompetent son, Greg, who sounds like a character we've written, frankly.
1: Because he's so (laughs) two-dimensional. Yeah.
0: Greg is like an incompetent sleazebag. He's like really sleazy with the women and he keeps making mistakes and blaming them on Dez. Um Paul is, by the way, very angry about the nepotism, which is interesting because he was quite happy about the nepotism when he thought he was going to get him an airline job or a an engineering job. But okay. Um and also um Paul goes on to do so much nepotism in his life. You don't even like he's like the king of nepotism. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, so um anyway, Julie is all delighted that Daphne has been causing Des trouble at work, because Julie is in love with Des and she's jealous of Daphne and she's pretty spiteful and we hate her. So Greg continues to torture Dez. Um, This random girl, Marilyn, is on his side. I'm not sure who she is, but I like her. Um, Judy sticks up for Greg because she's jealous of Daphne. Um, Anyway, so Dez and Greg have a confrontation, and they have this really funny fight where Dez punches Greg in the face, and Greg falls to the ground. And as Dez is walking away, um, Greg puts his feet together and trips Dez. (laughs) (laughs) Another great for me
1: to remember my next fight.
0: It's really good. A goes smack into the floor and breaks his nose, um, which is quite funny.
1: Is this a, no, this isn't the fight at the party, is it? That's later. No, no,
0: no, that's later. Um, so then Daphne takes him to hospital and he sees a weirdly sadistic doctor who's like, Oh, gonna have to break that and reset it. Like and she's really gleeful about it and it's it's very odd um and funny. Um <laughs> yeah,
1: that doctor says that to every one of his patients.
0: The same, yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, it's it's a safeguarding issue. It's the same doctor that was like, "Don't worry about it. Babies have pills all the time."
1: <laughs> I frequently drug children.
0: Yeah. Uh. So Julie shows up to yell at Des, um. But then when she finds out Des has broken his nose, she's like, "Oh, poor baby." Um. And uh, he worries he'll be sacked. Um. And he says to Daphne, "You know what I really miss about work? Nothing." which is relatable content, I think. Fair Daphne enough. Daphne and Shane are all touchy-feely. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. She asks, like, don't you like me? And he says, uh, don't you find me attractive? And he says, oh, no, you don't understand. It's because I like you that I can't have sex with you.
1: <laughs> Out of respect.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just really, I can only guard one vagina at a time. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very busy with my mum. Um
1: <laughs> Are you, up to, yeah. are you up to the episode where they have this heart-to-heart yet?
0: Oh, I'm getting there. Um, so Daphne threatens to move out. She does this every time anything goes wrong. She just says she's moving out. Um, kind of <laughs> don't believe her at this point. Um, so now we get to the episode that I think you watched where Julie and Greg go out to dinner.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. So I, I will let you give your impressions of what you saw. Oh, well, I don't have that
1: many impressions. Just, only that Ju- Julie's... So Julie goes on a date with Greg to what looks like a fancy restaurant. And yeah. Greg orders a Spanish omelette. Which <laughs> I thought was quite funny because I was like, here's here's a man who knows what he likes. Like he- <laughs> Just for dinner. I bet he also looked at the wine list and then ordered a froube. Like, <laughs> it's just... It's just basic.
0: <laughs> yeah, it tells you everything you need to know about Greg.
1: Go to the Ritz and have some mashed up eggs. So
0: then he takes her to a party with a stripper, because that's what you want on a date. Um, <laughs> and the stripper is Daphne. And the men, yeah, the men are creeps. And Greg gets sleazy with Julie. And uh, we get another soap snap.
1: Yes. Julie. I mean, Ju- <clears throat> in fairness, Julie leaves the party because she's because of Greg's behavior and she accuses his friends of being sexist macho morons as she puts it but who applauds her when she hits Greg in the face you know now mm-hmm. who's feminist all the all the all the, all the crowd like basically uh applauding her for slapping him i'm
0: not sure it was so, i think it's the violence that they enjoyed more um than yes. the yeah i think it, they're just you know they're here for the chaos um so then later um Daphne and um so Des Shane and Paul are hanging out doing boy things watching boxing or something and uh Daphne comes home in tears because Greg and his friends have groped her uh, which is really dark and awful um and the boys go full caveman and they're like well let's go beat him up which I'm I've I've really mixed feelings about because like you know I, I they're white knighting and she's asking them not to but also I do want them to beat Greg up
1: on the other hand, you also enjoy the violence, so yeah. And, and Daphne as well is like she doesn't. Ex- she doesn't exactly resist the idea at first. She's like, "Oh no, don't, don't do that. Don't go and beat him up." Um,
0: yeah, definitely don't.
1: Yeah. don't kick him in oh, the balls. Oh, they've gone.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh well. And uh, as they leave, they what, what? What is it? They say they um. Uh, they they say, "Oh yeah, danger is our business," and then walk right <laughs> into the door.
1: That sounds like the motto of. Helen's organisation. <laughs> yeah,
0: the Citizens Justice Centre. Um, so they, um, they leave Daphne with Shane because someone has to stay with a hysterical lady. Um, so they say. And Shane comforts Daphne um, by slut-shaming her out of her job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love this conversation. It's like, Shane... They So they have this they have this heart-to-heart conversation. She explains that she's thinking of leaving, as you said. And, sh- and Shane sensitively tells her that she's crazy and that it's not her that's the problem. It's just all of her choices about what she does with her life. And Daphne's <laughs> like, oh, stop being so logical.
0: Yeah, it's awful. Everyone is awful to Daphne and I hate it. And I want I want better for her. Daphne is the best character on the show and mm. I love her so much. Des and Paul show up at the party just in time to see Greg getting arrested. And they're like, well done, we did this.
1: Yeah, well, well I, I suppose we might as well go in and enjoy the party now.
0: Yeah, leaving Daphne bes- beside herself at home, wondering what's happening.
1: Can I just say as well, there's a there's a a line in there's a line in that scene where they they've arrived to beat up Greg, but the police are already arresting him because he's been he's been a bit sort of shirty with the police, which prompts Des to say that he's not a mental genius. And- <laughs>
0: Oh well, neither is Dad. <laughs> yeah. That's him. He's 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 a he's a sweet. He's, it's not he, that's not his skill set.
1: Yeah. Uh, I want that to be my introduction, by the way. When you do the intro to the podcast, can you call me a mental genius, please? Thank you. I
0: will. I I'll, I'll re-record it. I'll dub it over, Mister Black. <laughs> um, it'll be really, really uh, sincerely, little girl. For some reason, this whole thing. They come. They come home pretending to be injured. They did this whole fake out where they're like, ow, ow, only kidding. He was arrested. We were just at a party. Um, and Daphne's like, oh, you boys, I'm going to stay here after all. And there's, you know, it's all all's well that ends well. And um, The next day at work, Des is really smug because Greg is in trouble with his daddy. And he gets fired. Um, and Mr. Arnold apologizes to Dez um, because he realizes he's fucked up and he shouldn't have commented on his private life. And Dez does a really power move where he's like, thank you for your apology. But I'm afraid it's too late. I resign, and like he, he like gives them his letter of resignation, and it's really baller. Um, and the coolest Des has ever been in his life. Oh,
1: good on you, Des.
0: Yeah. Um. So he comes home, and and um. Paul and Daphne are like, what have you done? You quit your stable job? He's like, no, no, no. I've got another job in real estate. Okay. Well, we didn't see this happening, but I. All right, Des, if you say so. Um. So so Des and Daphne have this like romantic candlelit dinner. And she tells him she's quitting stripping to become a temporary secretary, which every time she talks about temporary secretaries, I just hear the Paul McCartney song, temporary secretary. Um, which is really eerily describes her experience, actually, of being a temporary secretary, which Turns really dark, but I'll get to that. So, um, so Des is like, "Oh, you're quitting stripping now? I can hold my head up in public." Hee hee, joking, not joking, because actually he's been on at her to quit stripping the whole time. Yeah. So it's not actually funny. Long long. No. Uh, and so uh, anyway, they 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 have a little flirt and they end up kissing. Got a Des and Daphne kiss. So it sort of came out of nowhere for for me with Daphne because I thought she wasn't a shame
1: oh yeah i feel like i have missed completely the significance of of des and daphne they're
0: a big couple in like neighbor's law they they like get married and have babies
1: uh she so, was, like, she, was she, were, she was at his uh at his stag party wasn't she
0: yeah she was at his stag party she just like never left <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah, the, the wedding didn't work out she's like oh i like it here and that was it she just sort of moved herself in um so and 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 they've been sort of platonic roommates but he's very clearly in love with her hmm. um they're interrupted kissing by shane who was like did i interrupt something and she's like no and so far this love triangle has caused zero friction because it's like no problems no one's they're all friends no one's fighting over daphne so uh, awesome. yeah utterly pointless um, Anyway, um, Dez is on cloud nine. Um, They haven't discussed the kiss, but it's like obvious that they're sort of like into each other, I think. Um, uh, Anyway, so Dez... Gets a phone call. Oh, Julie apologises to him as well. But I don't care about her. Um, Des gets a phone call uh, when he's alone. Um, from his new job, at saying it's fallen through. So now he's got no job and no prospects, and uh, he's not happy. Um, and he he says, "Well, Des, old mate, you've really blown it this time."
1: <laughs> you know, you know, you're at rock bottom when you start theatrically talking to yourself. Yeah. And doing the doing the old doing the old performatively circling things in the paper with a big red pen.
0: Basically, exactly that, exactly that. Um, at the bank, some auditor guy shows up from head office to investigate the dodgy dealings that Greg has been doing, and Julie stands up for Des. Um, so Des and Daphne are, like, um, having a nice domestic bliss moment des is cooking bacon and cheese soup for daphne lucky lucky lady um daphne wants to redecorate the whole house like one kiss in she is nesting like yeah she he is never getting rid of her that is it like they've had one kiss she's already she's got catalogs she wants to start with the kitchen he is putting her off because he's broke and she doesn't know and he doesn't want to tell her that he doesn't have a job because he doesn't want to feel bad feels like a conflict brewing no
1: <laughs> I, I love i love this um I love this tension between the two of them, though, when when he's unemployed. Because I my favourite part is the resolution of it, because mm-hmm. it's clearly been written by somebody who knows absolutely nothing about how banking works. Mm-hmm. They're, they're talking about this redecorating. Somebody from the bank's head office arrives and tells Devs that actually they want him to come back to the bank with a promotion yeah. and tells him that he can have his own bank one day. Yeah. And it's like... They're talking about opening a bank like it's starting your own cafe or something.
0: You could be king of the bank one yeah, exactly. day. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, but
0: it just, it, that, uh,
1: that made me laugh because I was like, um, maybe more research could have been done.
0: <laughs> it's a little, a little light on the research, but <laughs> don't don't put it in. Uh, I, I think Neighbors um, podcast calling this term the fuck it bucket. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they just don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, it. He's happy. He gets a job at the bank. He gets his job back. He gets a better job. His old boss is gone. He plays it really cool, doesn't he?
1: I mean, as far <laughs> as I can see,
0: he jumps around, swings,
1: dancing. He's not a cool person. No. But in this moment, Well, I don't know, actually, because like this guy arrives from the bank and having given him the good news, he literally is grinning in the corner of the room, like doing a a bashful wave to the guy. And I would say that that's not cool.
0: No, I would be like, "Um, mate, uh, I think we've made a mistake here. (laughs) This isn't about your living situation. You just you just don't seem credible. Sorry, I would
1: say on balance, not a cool reaction but no. very, a very sincere and quite endearing reaction.
0: Yeah, yeah, we like Dez. It's hard to not like Des. But so Daphne becomes a working woman, well, she was working before, but she becomes a, a working woman in the day. Um, she starts work as a temporary t- secretary. She's all excited and she gets dressed up all fancy. She, she dresses like the Saved by the Bell logo. It's really sweet. Yes. And she puts on big, serious glasses. And then it just oh it all goes wrong.
1: <laughs> the bigger the glasses, the more serious an office worker you are. That's just yeah. It's a proportional relationship.
0: It's physics. Um, <laughs> it's just the laws of physics. But it it goes horribly wrong. It goes horribly
1: and, wrong when she goes yeah. to work for Deslinum.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's he is the creepiest creep that ever creeped. John pointed out that he lo- he looks like Hitler, <laughs> um, and I can't unsee it. Um, but it's he
1: Hitler and Deslinum.
0: Yeah, if Hitler and Des and had a baby, um, and um, <laughs> you know, was, so he's really creepy. He recognises her from stripping, not until she takes her glasses off. So I feel like
1: he's,
0: <laughs> you know, like she's Superman. <laughs> he doesn't recognise her until she takes her glasses off. It it also, that so. The
1: glasses are the last thing to come off normally because like, yeah. that's the thing that's really concealing her identity. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, it's like last time I saw you, you were jumping out of a cake. And she has a great line where she's like, "Just because I jump out of a cake doesn't mean I'm going to jump into bed." And like, yeah, Daphne. Yeah, but it's horrible to watch this this storyline. It's absolutely it's ghastly, gross, isn't
1: it? Because he starts blackmailing her into like a going for a drink or a date or something by mm-hmm. threatening to tell the temp agency that she was a stripper. Um, yeah,
0: and then he gropes her. That was not in the episode that I watched. No, it wasn't. He gropes her and it you know really becomes very, very dark. Um, and she, you know, Des says that she should sue him and she's like, yeah, I, w- I will. Um, so she threatens to sue him and he comes back and he's like, you don't stand a chance. No one's going to believe you. You're a stripper. This this horrible Hitler guy, um, Hitler Lynam. Um, and, um, yeah, she, I
1: think Des Hitler is a great,
0: (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, but that, not to be confused with Des, Des, um, she's confiding in Des about it and he says, oh, you know, don't worry about this guy unless you have skeletons in your closet, which you don't, and she's like, no, I don't, and then she immediately drops it, the lawsuit, she's like, so I I think that's going somewhere, but also I really think it's not because this is 1985 Neighbours and we'll probably never hear about it again. And she just she just loses the job and that's it.
1: I love that, that, you know, there's, there's actually more depth to the comparison I made to Game of Thrones at the beginning than initially meets the eye because like Game of Thrones, they seem brutally willing to just abandon stories. Like mm-hmm. it keeps, and it keeps you on your toes as a viewer. So she,
0: she just loses that job. That's it. Um, and we end the month with the, with the weirdest storyline for Des and Daphne where her grandpa shows up and oh, yeah. instead, of, instead of just saying, he's, he's this wild character who's come from South America from his adventures. And just instead of just saying, oh, Grandpa, what are you doing here? Or Des, this is my grandpa. They, they get around the exposition by him introducing himself to Daphne. I'm Harry Henderson, your grandfather. And she goes, of course.
1: A bit on the nose, but... Yeah. In fairness, he does show up dressed like a mafia boss.
0: Yeah, why does he? So she doesn't know him well enough for him to for her to recognize him on sight, but he does have her home address. Yeah, do you not? I mean, <laughs> did Maria take the message? I don't have a don't have a phone number for Daphne. Um, but anyway, it's all very odd. He's this weird, like I I, I don't know. He, it seems like he's going to be a shyster. He keeps he keeps getting money off Des and borrowing money and he's causing chaos. He's got a parrot and then there's this weird faulty towers style comedy of errors, like sort of Monty Python style thing where the parrot appears to be dead and Des thinks he's killed the parrot. And then he, um, cause he told it to drop dead because it was being noisy and he's sleeping on the couch because he's given the grandpa his bed. This guy's just taking them for a ride. Uh-huh. And then Des goes and gets another uh-huh. parrot, but it turns out the parrot just sleeps like it's dead. <laughs> just sleeps on the floor on its back as parrots do um and and then um they get a weird phone call saying watch out for harry's bird and then this lady shows up saying i'm harry's bird oh that and then is
1: that is i, I yeah. think it was a bit of a labored introduction but Uh
0: huh. and then harry and harry's bird leave to go traveling together and leave des and daphne with the parrot And I don't know what comes next because this is the end of the month, but I assume that's the last we'll ever see of them and just Des and Daphne now have a parrot.
1: I do not like them as a couple. They come in, to like every time they enter the room, they're basically having sex. She's like either tickling him from behind or he's, I don't know, fondling from the front and he talks like Popeye for some reason. (laughs) Like It's all very... Ah, oh, I don't know. It's so charged.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, just, it's terrible. Um, it's it's have true. sex in
1: a condo or something.
0: I don't want to see it. Like I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm sex positive, but I, don't, I just don't want to watch. <laughs> um, so, so the last thing about Daphne is that she has a little moment with Shane, where Shane comes over and tells her that she's his favorite person. And, and she says, I like the way you communicate. So said,
1: really? <laughs> this sounds so far ahead of its time. Like it, I have to say though, like Shane, Shane say so he's recently learned that people don't communicate enough. Mm-hmm. Out of the st- and, and he lets her know that she's one of his favorite people. And it just is like, it's thrusting this snowflakey moral about talking to one another down our throats where uh-huh. Maria crushed her feelings down for 16 years and you only have to compare her and Shane to see who's the more likable character, emotional repression works, like Shane. It does. And,
0: and the minute she started talking, she ruined her life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, what is the
1: lesson here? She opened
0: her mouth. Yeah, exactly. No talking. And and it does, you know, neighbours does seem to have a very anti-therapy message. So maybe that's it, <laughs> Like talking is bad. You're right. You it's heard like it here Paul, first. Yes.
1: When Paul le- when Paul leaves, having like intimidated Kim's baby's father, um, and he like shames her for needing counselling as well. Um,
0: yeah,
1: which is and she said
0: she doesn't want counselling because she doesn't want anyone to run her life, and so that's not what counts. They don't take over. <laughs> so there's one last little side quest, um, which you it's complete blip. Hasn't affects nothing. Um, Again, it looks like there's gonna be a storyline where some guy shows up to con Helen. Like, so some guy shows up from her past, like she hasn't seen him for 40 years. They dated, they were ex lovers as Paul puts it again. These these Ramsey Street boys are so weird about their female relationships, um, sex lives, um, and he he sort of negs his grandma. He's like, "Oh, you're not bad looking for a woman your age." I it's like, "Why are you flirting with your grandmother, Paul? And why are you being such a dick about it?" Anyway, um, so so this guy shows up and he's flashing his cat around. He keeps talking about like, investments and you know rich guy stuff. Um, and um, and it looks like he's going to try and fleece Helen. That looks like where it's going, right? That's where you think it's going, right? And Julie, he goes to the bank and he doesn't have any money at the bank and Julie works at the bank. So she finds this out and she's like, oh, I don't know whether or not to tell Helen. Conflict. Conflict, right? Conflict. No. <laughs> Immediately, he tells Helen that he's broke. Immediately, the second Julie finds out and is conflicted about telling her. So there's, that, that's, that's gone.
1: What is with all this exemplary behaviour? And then
0: he tells Helen that he fell out with his daughter 16 years ago because she married a hippie and he wouldn't speak to her after she married a hippie and they haven't spoken. And so Helen meddles and phones the daughter and the daughter's like, yeah, I've written to him over the years and he just doesn't want to know me because he's not like my husband and I don't know what I'm meant to do about it. Helen invites her over, doesn't tell this guy. This guy shows up. um, He's mad for about three seconds and then he sees his daughter and they make up and then her husband comes in in a suit. He's no longer a hippie. Um, the guy's very angry. He's like, he's a communist, but he's he's no longer a hippie. Um, she brings her his grandkids, her kids in. They all make up. The guy leaves, and we never see him again. And that I don't know. what to
1: make of Helen because, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned at the start that she's this sort of like a like a not flawless. I forget what you said, but that she's she's liked broadly, even though like. Correct. What, from what i've from what i've seen of her she she well, you can call it tough love i suppose but like basically telling you to grow up whenever they have got problems julie julie comes back from this party that we've just discussed and says this is a scene again i i found really she, she says to helen her grandmother that she wishes she understood men and helen's like oh you never will but you'll have fun trying <laughs> again i'm like thinking about what the message is there oh yeah because that evening's been a right laugh for, hasn't it? What a hoot discovering that somebody you thought you knew is actually an unreconstructed sleaze bag. What fun awaits. Yeah,
0: and that eats Spanish omelets for dinner. Scum. Scum of the earth. Okay, you're right. I, I'm, I'm, I am coming around to your thinking about Helen.
1: For the record, I love Spanish omelets, but I'm not <laughs> going out to a fancy restaurant trying to impress someone and then ordering a special It's one. not a
0: makeout food. You don't want to go no, on a date tasting like egg.
1: You you don't eat six eggs before going in for the kiss. We
0: are we are we got that. We are at the end of the month. Okay, so now that brings us to a segment that I call leaving Erinsborough where basically um we choose one character this month who based on based on what you've seen and their behavior you would choose to boot out of Erinsborough. Mm. Um so who who are you kicking out?
1: It's going to have to be Helen.
0: Ooh, controversial!
1: Look, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to <laughs> tell it like it is. And I'm sorry, but from what I've seen, I do feel like I'm on the weakest link or something. Uh, mm. But yeah, Helen has has got a lot has got a lot of work to do. She's gonna she's got a lot of work to do.
0: I'm gonna boot up the
1: lawnmower, the lawnmower of doom. Actually, yeah, that's a that's a dark construction. It's got a go. I like, so is this, the, the, the mission of this podcast is to create a sort of Ramsey Street utopia?
0: Uh, I don't even know anymore. I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know which way is up. I've watched so much Neighbours. My brain hurts. Um, it's just, it's all going wrong. This is, this is not how I pictured my life turning out. I'm turning 35 this month, Simon. This is, it's not going well.
1: And you've got at least another 35 years of this podcast left.
0: Well, that's why I'm doing a month at a time, um, <laughs> trying to trying to speed it up a little bit. Um, thank you so much for your time, thank Simon. You. As always, um, where can people find you if, if people want to if people now would like to interact with you further on the basis of of, of this? Where where can they find you? Uh,
1: first of all, please don't. And second, <laughs> you can you can find me on Twitter at Simon Alcock.
0: Yeah, um, spelled how it sounds.
1: I I do not tweet very much, though I should add. <laughs> like you will you will not enjoy it.
0: No, it's a it's a really really dull experience. Um, just just leave Simon alone. He he wants he's happier like that. Today's episode was hosted by me, Sarah Gibbs. Our guest was Simon Alcock. This episode was edited by John Gibbs. Our logo was by Hayley Charlesworth. Our theme song was mixed by Graham Rawson. Join us next time when we'll be covering episodes 61 to 80 with a very special guest indeed. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. Okay, thanks. See you then.